So, do you like podcasts? Do you like movie podcasts? Yes! 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 If so, check out All Things Film, a collection of the best film, TV and movie podcasts on the internet. Groovy. Film Rave. It was only a pound. The podcast on Fire Network. Daily Grindhouse. And of course, Film Sploitation. What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. What? Anyway, all the best podcasts, film and TV related, under one roof. That's all things film. Boys and girls, go back to your studies. Believe me, nothing in life is free. Well, oak and dread, Batman. All things film is 100% free. And you can find out more on iTunes. Search all things film or online. Allthingsfilm.thefilmpodcast.co.uk Oh, sorry, I think I must have pressed the wrong button. Is anyone left? Toto? I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Hey everybody, Kenny B here invading your ears before the next Podcast on Fire Network podcast. But I want to talk to you about charity first. But not to us, well, kind of. But it won't cost you a thing. In an effort to, in all honesty, raise the network's profile a little as well as echoing our giving sites i was thinking we could do a trial run run of a project that would mix your love for a show or even several on the network and giving but here's the thing your giving only costs you a few minutes maybe a minute of your time or a click of a button which means a second of your time that's the giving we want from you leave the actual giving to us Here's how it breaks down, this first trial run of this concept, if you will. Leave a written review on our main iTunes feed, where all the shows pop up. And this is uh, linked to in every show description from the time you hear this message. And email that review to podcastonfire at googlemail.com. Do a screen cap of it or mail the review itself. As I have an iTunes Sweden account, and if you post on the UK or US side, I can't see it. So I would appreciate if you emailed us that. And if you're the fifth person to leave a review since the start of this project, which was on October 1st, we will donate 20 British pounds or euros to a charity of your choice. The other way is to leave us a like over at our Facebook page facebook.com forward slash POF network and if you're the tenth person to do so starting from the project initiation on October 1st I'll try and get in touch with you and we'll donate 20 British pounds or euros to a charity of your choice and if this goes well then it's every tenth person in that uh, in that barrage of likes that will uh, hopefully come come at us if you will so let's combine our love for creating podcasts your love for listening and for free you will be triggering something directed towards a good cause so thank you and on with the show
Welcome to Taiwan R10, the Big Ten on the Thrilling Sword and the Country of Beauties. And uh, it's not like I picked uh, some very special choices for the 10th episode or anything. It just turn turned out to be, hey, it's number 10. Well, let's uh, let's talk about the Thrilling Sword and the Country of Beauties then. It makes sense in <laughs> our heads. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, he's comfortable already as a co-host. So 4DK's Todd programmed half of this episode that will focus on actress Elsa Jung to an extent uh, and it's through the double bill of the colorful wuxia fantasy of a thrilling sword which Todd picked and Elsa Jung as an Amazon leader of women cutting men's penises off in the counter of beauties <laughs> you, you, you know you gotta make it like a a, a soft landing after that like <laughs> cutting their penises off counter of beauties Aww. Uh, but uh, my name is Kenneby, and with me again is Todd Stackman from our prior episode. So, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm very proud to have introduced you to Thrilling Sword, I must Indeed, say. Indeed, because I've, ne I've never seen it. I mean, I, I I didn't know of it, but if I would scan Elsa Jung's filmography, it was like, hey, Thrilling Sword, it's, uh, well, it's probably a soul play movie, I'll see it at some point. But boy, uh, I didn't know <laughs> what it was going to be uh, when I actually uh, started watching it and read your first uh, plot synopsis uh, of the film and all that. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's an angle! Uh, it's a unique one, I gotta say. But we'll, we'll keep you listeners in the dark if you don't know what uh, the Thrilling Sword is uh, doing. It's not your average uh, uh, sword play movie or kung fu movie or colorful wuxia fantasy. So uh, uh, Strapping Titan will uh, tell you all about it. But uh, first of all, contact information. This is Taiwan War at the Podcast on Fire Network. You can find this show on podcastonfire.com and also our bonus episodes is, are on the, uh, the website. There are, are exclusive to the website, so check them out and we'll maybe do one in the future if uh, the coverage uh, warrants it. Uh, email us for feedback, podcastonfire at googlemail.com and join us over on Facebook in two ways. Like our page, facebook.com forward slash POF Network and also join us, join us over in the discussion group. Click the link on the page I just said to access it or type in Podcast on Fire Network in the Facebook search box and that will get you the group. And tweet us or follow our tweets at twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. My writing, focusing a lot on Taiwanese cinema, sogoodreviews.com. I also squeeze in movies, um, category free rated uh, Hong Kong movies, uh, ninja exploitation, using Taiwanese cinema or using Thai cinema, what have you. All your Richard Harrison uh, uh, Stuart Smith, uh, Bruce Barron movies, those wonderful Godfrey Ho movies, and 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 I kind of, you know, I'm 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 on a little bit of a crusade to, in my small way, correct as much info as I can about what, for instance, Godfrey Ho did and didn't do, because there's a common misconception that every cut and paste movie, i.e. Um, ninja movies that had western actors uh, cut and pasted together with uh, an older movie, a Thai movie or what have you uh, there was a misconception that all of them were done by Godfrey Ho but uh, it's essentially that's not true, uh, whenever you see an IFD movie with either Benny Ho or Godfrey Ho credited, that's, that is uh, Godfrey, but if you see any movies from the company Filmark, like Robo Vampire for instance, and you see Joe Livingstone as credited director uh, Godfrey never worked for Filmark so it's there in team uh, and their made up credit being Joe Livingstone in that case so um and, and if you look at those movies, uh, you realize also that Godf Godfrey wasn't capable of insanity like Robo Vampire, which is great. You know, Godfrey was great in his own way, sh shooting the ninja action scenes and the scenes with Richard Harrison. 
but check out Robo Vampire for something else, you know. Phew, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, so so th that's why I do a little bit of a crusade, and I also review um, movies in uh, video forms, lisakvideo.com, and tweet at twitter.com forward slash so good reviews. Subscribe to Taiwan Noir on iTunes, and if you like us, please take a second to uh, click the star rating uh, section, uh, give us a fair rating, and if you have a little bit more time, a minute or two left over, leave us a small review, a sentence or two if you like the show or not, and that will certainly help us a little bit, and uh, we would appreciate it. And finally, if you don't like downloading podcasts to your device, uh, you can stream via the application Stitcher Radio. You can stream us online, but the, the application is also available to your iPhone, iPad, or Android. And once you're in Stitcher, type in Taiwan Noir to add us to your favorite list. So thank you very much for that. And finally, from my side, uh, we always plug uh, the blog, Golden Ninja Warrior Chronicles, uh, because uh, every now and again, uh, Jesus uh, digs deep into these uh, ninja movies from IFD and Filmark and uh, gives us the info about what the source movies from Taiwan was uh, or were and uh, it's really interesting to find out um, uh, that they they were actual movies some people again misconceptions claim that these were unfinished movies unreleasable movies which is complete bullshit they were they acquired them they cut them up and they inserted their ninjas or their westerners into them and shot them out onto the western market so uh, uh, IDing the original movies uh, in 2013 has become more of an easy thing to do but still it's quite hard for some reason in other cases uh, there, there is this uh, movie by Godfrey Ho called Majestic Thunderbolt with Richard Harrison and the source movie from Taiwan has tons of recognizable actors and all of that and you'd think that would be easy enough to identify but still to this day no one has been able to they it's used not, a lot of uh, uh, films from Thailand too didn't they? I indeed I mean that, that's the only way I know of uh, a star like Sorapong Chatri Chatri yeah. uh, Chatri uh, because he was in uh, both um, he, uh, the movies he were in both were sourced by IFD and Filmark. Robo Vampire is a Chatri film uh, originally the source movies with him but uh, they don't use a lot of it in Robo Vampire Filmark uh, shot almost all of it themselves and mm -hmm. used a minimal amount of footage from the Thai movie <laughs> which was great uh, but uh, check out the blog uh, Golden Ninja Warrior Chronicles all linked to in the show post uh, I mean you've done one episode Todd and you talked of your uh, blog 4DK but uh, for me, let the listeners uh, be um, get re uh, get familiarized again or educate new listeners what is 4DK and what do you do over there 4DK is, uh, is my blog where I review uh, pulp and uh, genre cinema from all over the world, primarily uh, vintage. You know, you, a lot of it's from 60s, 70s, and 80s. Uh, I reviewed one of the films. I've reviewed both of the films that we're covering today, actually, mm -hmm. over the years. Um, and uh, I, I think uh, hopefully uh, you'll visit and have fun. Uh, that's the whole idea. It's uh, at Die Danger, Die Die Kill dot blogspot dot com and if you go there you'll find links to my Facebook page, my Twitter, you know, my Tumblr, my whole, you know, internet empire. And uh and <laughs> one other thing actually that I wanted to mention that I didn't have last time is that uh the the video series that my friend Steve Mayhem and I do, which is called Fighting Femmes, Fiends, and Fanatics, has been brought <laughs> back from the dead. Which is F F F 
how many Fs? Let me count. It's four. Four again. There you go. Four DK. Yeah, exactly. And that's basically a series where we do little 10 to 12 minute mini documentaries on films we think are particularly interesting um and we have a new episode that's about the blue demon lucha movie blue demon versus the infernal brains which is of course the inspiration for the name of me and tars tarks's podcast you can it's on YouTube if you search Fighting Femmes, Fiends, and Fanatics. There's also a Facebook page where we have all of our 12 episodes posted, and that can be found at uh, facebook.com slash fighting femmes. So Excellent. that's my oh, plug. I, I wasn't aware of that. So great. Another creative endeavor of yours that, that everybody and uh, I got to check out. And uh, we'll certainly link to that uh, permanently uh, in the show posts for each uh, show that uh, you and I do over here. So uh, so good on you. Uh, looking forward to that. But let's uh, let's jump into it and talk the thrilling sword from 1981. And uh, plot? Well, fuck plot. Uh, I'll let uh, Todd's review from 4DK uh, say it like it should be said. So I'll, I'll quote uh, a little bit of section from your review, and it goes as follows. And you know, we tease that this has an angle, this Taiwanese wuxia fantasy. Well, here's the angle. Essentially, the story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs reinvented as a low-budget Taiwanese fantasy wuxia during which not a moment passes without some kind of crazy visual realized by way of crude but colorful bargain basement special effects. End quote from Todd. And so I still then, stand by those words. I mean, it's true for the movie, but I, you, even at gunpoint, I wouldn't be, be able to like detail the plot, like <laughs> exactly who did what. But having said that, I got the movie because it's not hard to understand it either. Right. It's just like wow, pew 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 pew. Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> pew pew pew. Yeah, whoa. yeah. yeah uh, like. Like it said, like I said in my review, the the the, the special effect. I mean, this is a very low budget film, and the special effects are really terrible. But there are so many of them, mm-hmm. you know. And I really, I really love that about the movie. It's sort of, you know, I have a lot of affection for it because they just like, you know, despite their limited means, they just went out of their way to create as much low-rent magic as they possibly could. So, you know, there's terrible process shots where, you know, people are see-through when they're not supposed to be, (laughs) and all kinds of people shooting lasers out of their hands, and great rubber suit monsters, really grotesque-looking. I love this film, obviously, so I'll try not to go off on too much of a, a tirade about it. Or, or <laughs> so it's a positive. It's a positive tirade. Yeah. The film filmmakers uh, put their all into it, which you gotta respect. And uh, yeah, the, I I think it's worth noting that the director of the film, uh, Chung San Yi, is the screenwriter of the other film we're reviewing. He reviewed indeed. The, uh, when he I was read a very the um, prolific screenwriter. Yeah, exactly. And uh, when I read the HKMDB, I also saw that the lead Fong 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 is also in Country of Beauties uh, uh, in a prominent role but as much as I like her in this I couldn't spot her in the Country of Beauties because there's so many of them women mm, there yes. they all look there's, good so 
there's a lot of competition for for the eye in that film definitely yeah, exactly uh but uh yeah some very minor background it's uh, one of those many colorful taiwan fantasies but that's not a yawn inducing proposition robert that's a great proposition especially if it's from taiwan you know because it was such a low budget uh industry really and they, they often gave them uh, gave it their all i mean you and toss covered a few of the, the um a fair few i mean you've got to mention you know a fair few of the taiwan kaiju movies and the taiwan mm-hmm. fantasy movies which you gladly apparently uh which is not a hard uh hard proposition either you gladly watch them uh, unsubtitled and just watch them for the sites and and uh, i i gather that Whenever like the money shots did appear, i.e., people in costumes or the special effects, whether mm-hmm. they're good, they're good or not, uh, it was kind of always likable, wasn't it? Uh, yes, especially coming from Taiwan. Yeah, there's some. Uh, it, it, there's yeah, it's there's something. Again, it's they're crude, but there's there's a lot of enthusiasm. Like they're really trying to wow you with this stuff, and also the fact that like in Thrilling Sword, the monsters are sort of that that uh, Japanese style but there's also something really gross about all of them <laughs> they're all kind of you know they they look kind of very they're very visceral they look kind of lumpy and and weird um but uh yeah there's a, especially I love the one-eyed demon that shows up at the beginning of the movie and is going around terrorizing the kingdom uh, it reminded me of uh, the uh, brief moments in the movie Savior Monk, which has a um, uh, a Cyclops kind of one-eyed demon sequence, mm-hmm. uh, um, which is kind of its only sequence. But I, I like that, and I, I'm I I always intend to pursue a lot more of these, but they, they, uh, I tend to forget that I need to pursue more of these uh, uh-huh. subtitled ones just to see them. And uh, you know, as you and Toss. Toss talked about some of these movies are made up of footage from other movies and put together in this yeah. haphazard fashion. But it's still always likable to have this special effects footage. I, I liked it when I saw it in Japan. I liked it when I saw it everywhere, really, mm-hmm. because it's uh, it uh, it tickles me. It tickles my inner child and all of that. Like, oh, cool, yeah, cool, exactly. cool, cool. And no amount of CGI stuff today could dazzle me in the same way, which uh, is maybe me not progressing as a viewer, but I still stand by that... Uh, uh, my true like kicks, you know, ad- movie adrenaline kicks, if you will, come through uh, these uh, sincere, passionate, uh, yeah. physical attempts at uh, competing with the elite, i.e., mostly Japan. So yeah, I'm no, I'm exactly the same way. I find CGI tedious, and uh, I like to see things that I know are actually happening <laughs> in real space in front of the camera that people that involve some sort of hands-on craft. Not to, I mean, I know not to you know, dismiss people who do CGI. I know that's, you know. No, no, absolutely not. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I like, I like the strings and rubber and, you know, all, all the hands-on fun stuff. It doesn't have to look real. It just has to suggest it and it has to have a sense of fun. And, uh, I'm there, you know, I like to be invited to, to participate, you know, as far as suspending disbelief, I don't need to have it all done for me. Exactly, that's a good. So, point. yeah. Well, well, uh, let's uh, dive into it. There's no true background on the director, as um, 
as you mentioned, uh, he is the screenwriter of The Country of Beauties. I think uh, uh, Chiang San Yi is possibly the Cantonese pronunciation and the Mandarin pronunciation is possibly Chiang Sin Er. So uh, let's uh, get that in as well. He, he wrote he he wrote a lot more films than he directed. It looks like exactly. he directed over fifty. Um, but yeah, and I know he he wrote uh, eighteen Bronze Men was another one of the ones he yeah, wrote, yeah, yeah. and Wh- Monster from the Sea, which is a a, a lost one of these great. Uh, special effects movies that Tars Tarks and I would kill to see someday but he's the writer of that as well Little Hero apparently too uh, oh Little, little Hero. Hero wow well then mm-hmm. he is a he's a little hero of mine <laughs> because that's we talked about that last time mm. but I love that film I mean a mainstay of Taiwanese cinema uh, various genre cinema in the 70s and, and mm-hmm. 80s which is uh, great to have and I directed a handful of the 7 or 8 but nothing really that stands out yeah. other than this other than this yeah uh, but uh, let's move on to uh, therefore because I don't know anything about the director let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, fan favorite and Taiwan action queen Elsa Jung and we, uh, me and John Charles talked a little bit about her doing the Golden Queen's Commando and Pink Force Commando episode as uh, she is part of that uh, crew but uh, let's just repeat a little bit about that bio because it's not uh, very extensive uh, very much a staple of this new wave social realism uh, uh, era of cinema in Taiwanese um, uh, in Taiwanese cinema but mostly she appeared in uh, action female revenge driven cinema out of Taiwan mm-hmm. you, uh, so she was not really I- in many dramas I mean the only drama I can think of is the source movie uh, that was in uh, Ninja Commandments, the IFD movie, the Godfrey Ho movie. The source movie is this really punishing Taiwanese melodrama called mm. uh, Ma Don't Die on My Back, uh, which she uh, she performs it really, really well. A lot of it is still in Ninja Commandments, mm-hmm. but obviously wrapped in this bizarre plotting that also involves ninjas. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, so she's really good in that. I don't remember my, many dramas from Elsa. Yeah. I was happy to see that her. Um, I I I didn't know a whole lot about Elsie Young other than that she was pretty and she was kickass until mm-hmm. you know we were going to so do this. So we need to know. <laughs> yeah, um, but I was happy to see that her debut films. Uh, her debut uh, film appears to have been five young, lovely young ladies with Paul Shang Kwan. Five we, pretty young ladies. Five ladies pretty ladies. young ladies. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, which. Uh, I think is better known as Bruce Kung Fu Girls, one Ooh. of the laziest attempts at uh, Bruce Bloitation in a title ever. Um, but that's a great that's a great Polly Shang Kwan film. It's sort of a uh, Charlie's Angels thing where there's five, they're running around in leather hot pants trying to protect the moon rock and fight mm-hmm. off a villain with the power of invisibility. I have to watch that now now that I know that Elsie Young's in it too. Uh, so I've seen the poster here. They definitely uh, did not miss the opportunity to showcase the ladies. There, there's a lady <laughs> kicking in, ki- kicking on the poster, and you see right up her crotch. Yes, obviously it's there, she's yeah. clothed, but you see right up her crotch. Yeah, this uh, is the movie where Polly Shanquan sings a pop song, and ha- yes, and she has a scene in a bikini. So it's kind of a must for for any uh, Polly Shanquan as well as Elsie Young uh, completist. Mm-hmm. So. Let's support this podcast and look for that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she did appear in that. She uh, is the lead in our second movie. Uh, and also she was in a bunch of uh, movies for um, uh, acclaimed and skilled um, uh, low-budget uh, kung fu director Lee Cho-nam. 
He uh, directed her in the fantastic The Challenge of the Lady Ninja, where she's the red ninja. She's all dressed in red, which is fantastic. Uh, she's in uh, A Life of Ninja for Lee. Um, she also did a lot of movies for Ching Gong, which is mostly known as the co-director of the Shaw Brothers Classics 14 Amazons. Mm. Uh, but made a lot of movies in Taiwan of the left uh, Shaw Brothers. Ching uh, Gong is actually the dad of... Um, uh, acclaimed action director and also director Ching Su Dong, which is the uh, director of the of Chinese Ghost Story, and uh, has done um, action for uh, and co-director Heroic Trio as well. But, but has done action for tons of movies, so it uh, runs in the blood that filmmaking vein. Uh, she is of course memorably made up as part of an 80s pop group in Golden Queen's Commander, one of the most bizarre character designs in uh, what's supposed to be a Second World War, <laughs> World War Two movie. And there's Elsa appearing like she's uh, in an 80s uh, new wave group. Mm-hmm. Uh, she carries a Bible with her and she's um, skilled with a gun. It's like, hey, well, let's just go with that then. <laughs> you know, and and you can. I mean, Golden Queen's Commander is fantastic. But it's like, really, Chu Yanping who directed it, really. Okay, you got me. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, uh, the the kind of tail end of her career is the more scandalous. Actually, she apparently had an affair with a Taiwanese actor whose wife was a famous writer, and this um, scandal kind of uh, destroyed her film career. But apparently, uh, she went into something another business. Uh, she went into the glass making business, and is famous for her work. You know, in collector circles, and uh, she, she's kind of a legend. Uh, uh, working with glass, and she goes by the name of Loretta now. So um, yeah. if you, you can look up Loretta Yang or Loretta Young, and you should be able to hit some uh, info on her. And still yeah. looks uh, fantastic. Um, yeah, in the picture you, I saw of her. Yeah, if you go to her site, you'll see a very pleasant-looking middle-aged woman in glasses. Who, and that's yeah. Who, which is funny when you think of her and her. All of her crazy costumes and all of her movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I thought you would like that because you seem to be you seem jazzed by people who follow their muses in sort of unexpected ways. You know, I yeah. thought that was a that was a good story about her too. Yeah, yeah, it's not like she killed somebody and had to dist- uh, leave the film career. You know, a yeah. scandal is a scandal. But I mean, I mean she she's rebounded. I mean, uh, no one no no one is after her blood or her head head at this point. Right, but that's she, but, always but, good. But uh, you know, it's uh, she's definitely left the film career behind and and, and left a bit of a legacy. I mean, uh, pe- people really uh, dig her, and she she got she's got an intensity about her, a sexiness uh, about her, and uh, a vulnerability too, because she could uh, she could appear versatile in movies and do a variety of movies, and uh, never seen her really in the flower vase, helpless role or anything, which uh, mm-hmm. I would have had a hard time, I think, because she she brings an intensity that. Um, you know, uh, she's more suited to be a more powerful lead in that mm. regard. Uh, but when she plays a heavy, she definitely brings a dimension to it because there's all uh, there's always in both of these films. I think both of her characters have, uh, you know, they have some. Uh, you can see moments of doubt or moments of conflict in them. You know, they're uh, which she portrays really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, that's Elsa. Let's uh, talk off the thrilling sword. And uh, first of all, Todd, uh, you you've spilt your opinion, but uh, try anyway. Challenge yourself by summarizing <laughs> uh, the thrilling sword in a quick like or dislike. You know why? Why oh. in short do you like the thrilling sword again? Okay. Well, first of all, I just wanted to share one more behind the scenes thing, which oh, I absolutely. learned that surprised me. Uh, the action director was Shang Shang. Who one of the Venoms? Uh, who and uh, that surprised me a little bit. Also because 
you know, it's not really a showcase for for pure martial arts very much. I mean, this is a movie that's very heavy on the wire work and the animated laser beams, but that's one noteworthy thing, that he was the action uh, choreographer on that. Now, Indeed. the question on the table is, why do I like uh, Thrilling Sword? Mm-hmm. Uh I think as I as I said before I just uh, I'm a big fan of these particular c- kinds of Taiwanese movies these fantasy movies and I think this is hands down the wildest one and has you know it's the craziest one uh and uh you know just the generosity of spirit you know I love movies they're cheap but they really really are trying their best to entertain you and this is a movie that doesn't it goes above and beyond it leaves you kind of exhausted by the time it's over <laughs> that's, that's um, a good that, that, that's yeah. actually a very good cap to that brief opinion it leaves you exhausted because Todd is absolutely right so uh, for my brief opinion uh, I, I wrote a little silly bit here so hey kids you like drugs <laughs> well well, celluloid can get you high as well, and the colors are as pretty. Here, have the thrilling sword. <laughs> Excellent, and I yeah. and I did, and uh, I I absolutely adore the hell out of this one. Um, and uh, it, it is um, I I have no experience with drugs, so I don't know what it's like. But uh, watching the thrilling sword, I don't think I need it because it's uh, it gave me so much fun. You know, it, this uh, it, it's this like acid trip that starts right at the top of the movie because they right. do a cheap thing but uh, during the opening credits but it's kind of genius too they invert the colors and they play scenes from uh, uh, subsequent scenes from the movie uh, during uh, uh, underneath those inverted colors and the and the credits uh, uh, to uh, set to what sounds like stolen music but I couldn't place it yeah uh, uh, but uh, there, there, there is stolen music that I can uh, uh, definitely uh, place in uh, the country of beauties, for instance. Uh, it's mm-hmm. uh, quite easy to spot uh, some Morricone music yep. in, in that movie. Yeah. Uh, but 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 I'm with you. I mean, I, I look at these opening credits, and and it makes you wonder and admire how did they glue all this together when leaning so heavily on an aspect like special effects, uh, mm-hmm. but but having to deal with a tiny budget. I mean. I say tiny, but it is a low-budget movie. It's not like it's uh, shot on video in a garage kind of movie or anything. But they, they, it's not, uh, it's not the high end, and, and and it is that simple. That passion and creativity gets you a long, long way. It, yeah. And tra- translating it to fun, without desperately trying to fit in, you know, to desperately right. be in the same market as other cool kids, i.e., other cool movies. That isn't easy, but the Thrilling Sword and its crew, you know, starting with director Shang Sinner, they do it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I, I think this is therefore up there with like, do, do you want to see the best Taiwan has to offer in terms of special effects passion, which is a hard sell, I know. De- then I definitely would have uh, would point towards the Thrilling Sword because I, I yeah. don't think I've seen uh, quite an on quite this assault of special effects throughout. I mean, it's yeah. not ten minutes; it's uh, fifty, sixty minutes of this stuff and some plot in between. Non, yeah, nonstop. Every scene has some kind of gimmick going on. I mean, I'm, you know, it's tempting, you know, to. I'd assume that it was, you know. Uh, inspired by Zoo because so many of of those like crazy special effects movies sort of followed in the footsteps of uh, 
you know, Hark's uh, Zoo Warriors of Magic Mountain, except that it was made two years before Zoo. Yeah, yeah it was before. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, uh, you know, who, who knows what the inspiration was? You know, maybe it was Star Wars or something, but... Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's very very ambitious, and I mean, it's when I say it's low budget, I mean even compared to a film like Country of Beauties, which is still an exploitation film, that's a pretty handsomely mounted film. You know, mm-hmm. it has nice sets, and you know the cinematography is very is very clean. Um, so co- even compared to Country of Beauties, this film looks very cheap. <laughs> um, you know, the opening scene where you see the comet heading toward... Can I describe the opening scene of this movie, oh, Ken? please. Because, okay. uh, again, remember, kids, before Todd does that, this movie riffs on Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. But yes. the opening scene, eh, eh, judge for yourself when Todd describes it, if, if that's from the Disney movie. Yes, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, and this is another one of those movies where right right off, it, you know, it lets you know what it's all about. So if you're if you're man or woman enough for Thrilling Sword, you'll know within the first, you know, three to five minutes. So what we get is a scene uh, in the, in the, uh, uh, in whatever kingdom in which the movie takes place. The, the, Queen is going through the throes of labor as her handmaidens, handmaidens stand around the king paces outside. And outside the castle, in a, in a spectacular miniature shot, we see a comet <laughs> that looks like a flaming cigarette end, kind of dangling on a string, <laughs> heading towards a, a, a sort of ugly little model of the castle. And then we see the, the comet flies into pretty much right into the queen's stomach as she's going through labor. She starts to writhe, and then a, um, and then something that looks like a veiny, giant potato shoots out of her, much to the surprise of everyone. And then there's <laughs> That's not a, the way it's supposed to look like, is yeah, it? <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, definitely uh, people who are confused about uh, you know the facts of reproduction might be troubled by this, but yeah. So there, <laughs> so there's this pulsating, veiny blob that just came out of the queen, and and uh, when presented, and then the queen dies, and then when the king is presented with this, he says <laughs> his first reaction is throw it away. He tells his <laughs> servants to throw it away. So they throw it. It's in. like as cold as the ladies in the other movies. Like just <laughs> yeah, send exactly. those, send that away. You know, yeah. on the sea. And there's not even any like you know sad Ennio Morricone music playing when he does it. Uh, so yeah, he has his people throw it in the river, and it floats down river until it's found by the seven dwarves. Uh, and uh, the seven. So, so, so you would think when you see that that's a monster, it's evil. You know, it's the movie's monster, but no, it's it's her. It's, it's her. It's, it's our yeah. Snow White. <laughs> yeah, and the and the the dwarves adopt her, and well, I mean, first they want to eat the thing, and they're stopped <laughs> from eating it by the fact that it opens up and a human girl comes out, who they name Yorgi. Yes. So that's the beginning of this, you know, and it does, I mean, basically, yeah, it, I mean, it takes the dwarves, uh, and it takes the evil queen, who, there is the bit where uh, Elsa Young, who plays the queen, does the, 
who's the fairest in the land, except mm-hmm. she doesn't have a mirror. She has this huge, like, King Kong-style, boogity-looking idol, which yeah. is awesome. <laughs> and there's a couple other idols whose heads come off and fly around the room when they're praying to them. Um, but you know what? Let's go back to the dwarves. And uh, yeah. they don't... Um, the, the movie kind of, you know use the basic tricks to kind of uh, get the illusion across that these <laughs> no. are dwarves and we're talking basic tricks you know low angles and uh, don't shoot the actors in the same frame right. uh, you know which is fine but there is a latter scene where it seemed like they just abandoned it because you can see all the uh, male actors uh, play with dwarves yeah. and uh, the princess in the same shot and uh, they're about equal length a little bit lesser in their length so it's like one scene they kind of forgot to use even yeah, the basic tricks up. Yeah, and I like the 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 dwarves are also kind of new wave. One guy looks is like very asexually looks kind of like Klaus Nomi, and then there's <laughs> and then there's there's one with a mohawk. And, yeah, uh, yes, indeed. I connected to that guy a lot. Yeah, I I, re- I recognize some of the faces too. I know one of them was Hui Bat Liu, uh, yes. who's also in Country of Beauties. Uh, He's in a ton of Taiwanese movies for Chu Yenping, actually. He's in, mm. um, go, he's in at least Pink Force Commando, I believe. Oh, right? okay. so it's, a, it's a constant comedy presence. Here he's a big comic relief guy, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, But you know what? Uh, let's, um, it, it's hard to like totally talk of the movie in a coherent manner, despite you you do get the movie. So mm-hmm. I may, the rest of my notes are kind of maybe scattershot, but uh, still, let's uh, talk of... Uh, a little bit about special effects and mm-hmm. in one of Elsa's earlier scenes she scenes I believe it was her man I, I might be wrong but uh, what happens that I know uh, is that she for uh, she throws out a spell or whatever and uh, and uh, character's head starts spinning you know it's a force oh, yeah. spinning head kind of thing yeah which which is a crap optical effect but <laughs> you know what I I might be so forgiving and so mm-hmm. so this you know crap at judging what is good for you and what's bad for you mm. I still think that effect gets the job done even if mm-hmm. barely you know right because, because it's you know it is an optical effect they printed on top of uh, you know another thing they shot and they spin it around and uh, it's you know it's I don't know it still works for me you know yeah. CGI would have perfected it for sure but it's like I knew what it what it was supposed to be like and exactly. that was kind of enough to me yeah yeah and it has the actor going while it's going on, so yeah. you know something un- unpleasant is happening. Yes, yeah, the sort of the sort of uh, exorcist thing of the head twisting around. And they 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 do of course um, Elsa uh, is actually um, a part of uh, part of a you know an evil team if you will a priestess mm-hmm. and a priest or whatever. And uh, that um, other part of the team is uh, made like the Shang Yi a constant presence in in Shaw Brothers movies in Taiwanese mm-hmm. movies both playing villains and both playing good guys to good effect really really uh, really good actor I like Shang-Yi a whole lot uh, especially when he's made up in these uh, uh, in these outrageous ways in these uh, wuxia movies yeah. uh, and, it, and yeah. it's really great and and the two of them are asked to like uh, obviously stomp out the threats of the land but they're the ones conjuring the That's threats right. of the land you know uh, they conjure up dragons and uh, and all of that but they uh, it's obviously them controlling that, and and here's where the movie also like uh, tries at least because the dragon, the fire breathing dragon, is yeah. uh, is it, a puppet on a string, and there's some fire breathing, uh, you know, shooting out of it, and that's pretty much it, you know. Nine heads, though. Gotta yes. give them credit for the nine heads on that dragon. 
So if you don't have much, then at least uh, make it uh, large in your uh, quantity. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. One monster. Yeah, but yeah. So the yeah the villains basically to win favor with the king and worm their way into the king's good graces and sort of a power play. Yeah, they're creating all the threats themselves. There's some special effects imagery that goes on repeat because uh, Elsa Jung and Shang Yi are. You know they are con- conjuring up this circle at points, and they're mm-hmm. sh- you know shooting their hand through the circles and creating magic that way. Uh, that circle, uh, that special effect, they never really uh, managed to do that properly. If you get no. my point, <laughs> you know they, they, no. fr- from the front when they shoot the circle from the front, the, the uh, superimposed circle, they make a circle. But what happens when they shoot it from the side? Sort of. Uh, it it breaks. Uh... I, it's hard to describe, but the circle doesn't complete. I think when their where their hands go through, there's a there's a hole where the where the circle should continue, if that makes, or the ring should continue. It's nice looking though. It's kind of cool looking anyway. Um, I mean, it takes an art to make it happen, but it seems yeah. like they never really managed to do it. Um, yeah. Uh, when uh, doing post production on the movie, that side angle of the circle never really worked, and they couldn't either find a budget to redo it or just couldn't figure out how to yeah. do it maybe or they were, well I imagine they were in a hurry too because there were so many process shots uh, you know there must have been hundreds and hundreds of process shots for this film so I, I would imagine they just kind of some they hustled through more than others but it still has a, a delightful end result mm-hmm. um, I also want to say that the costumes in this music movie especially those one worn by uh, Elsie Young are amazing mm-hmm. her, her weird head pieces she has these metal sculpted metal head metal metal <laughs> <laughs> And like, yeah, these great capes with these, you know, huge collars and um, she it, wears them. She wears them good. I mean, she looks good. It doesn't look silly at all. It's just like, oh no. man, the evil witch looks good. Man. Is you is know? that her thing? Because I get it in these other movies, she dresses pretty wild too. You're talking yeah. about uh, her new wave getup and everything. Yeah, a life of ninja. Her first fight scene is in tight leather pants as well. Uh-huh. So, um, so yeah. it's like uh, I'm I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Yeah, uh, yeah, and um, country. Beauties. She has some amazing costumes too. She has a nice leopard print uh, <laughs> leotard thing that she wears at one point. But yeah, she wears crazy costumes very well. Not overly sexualized in movies. Funnily enough, I mean, she they they they, they dressed her well in these like yeah sexy outfits, and, but never really to the point where they tried to sexualize her image, which I think is. Uh, uh, healthy as well for effect, you know, yeah. that you don't need to go that route uh, just to get a rise out of the audience, if you yeah. will. Yeah, well, there's an aloofness about her, sort of a, you know, uh, an ice queen thing that she has in both of these movies, which does sort of, you know, it, it she doesn't have the approachability to be like a, you know, hubba hubba kind of sex symbol, you know, mm. there's like sort of a, a wall there, um, you know, which is perfect for both these parts, you know. Um, I um, I don't know if this was in Snow White, but I don't really care. Uh, at one point, we have, we have a prince character, and uh, at one point, he is, uh, I believe, by Elsa Jung, turned into a fussy bear thing of some kind. <laughs> 
Yeah. And that's uh, I posted that image on Facebook and kind of said, I'm so happy that I can be analytical about this. Mm-hmm. You know, I am totally happy and totally in the right uh, uh, frame of mind and, uh, you know, le- letting my Facebook friends deal with it. Like, what is that, <laughs> you know? And do you want to talk a little bit about the context, uh, about the Fuzzy Bear thing, or is, or is there more to say about the Fuzzy Bear thing? Well, it's uh, it's done in a point where he... He spoils the game of the two evil sorcerers by coming in and killing the nine-headed dragon, which it was their, you know, that was their gig. They were going to kill the nine-headed dragon and, and win the accolades of the king. So he becomes a nuisance to them. So that's what they, when they catch up to him, they turn him into this ridiculous-looking bear. It, uh, uh, it kind of <laughs> looks like a cross between a panda and a polar bear <laughs> you know it's some kind of hybrid bear it actually reminds this isn't gonna no one's gonna know what this is but it reminds me of this horrible um uh sloth costume from the movie magic lizard and people who do know magic lizard will know that that's a high recommendation as far as something being really bizarre but yeah it's very strange and it's not a very mobile costume either <laughs> It's about as mobile as like a hand puppet made out of a paper bag, even though it's a full costume. He all he can kind of do is rock from side to side, and sort of you know barely move his hands. But that's how the prince, and he's uh, who played the prince. Uh, his name is Yurjan Lausang Him. I, I'm sure I'm pronouncing. Or in uh, Mandarin, possibly Liu Shangchen is my. Uh, if he's a Taiwanese actor, but you're right, uh, he plays the prince. And I, I love, by the way, that the that the fussy bear. It seemed to me uh, that they put the actual uh, uh, feet wear on his hands because they look oddly like out of shape. Kind of like uh, or yeah. almost double double jointed kind of thing. Like, well, what's going on there? I mean, he is transformed, so I mean, anything goes, I suppose. Yeah, because he's not a bear like we know a bear or anything. It's, like, yeah. it's uh, something else. But it, it, but, but the day yeah. it looks like a cross between a bear and an oven mitt. I think is what I'd have to come mm-hmm. <laughs> come down on. But yeah, it it's amazing and and uh, I, no, you know, I, I can't I, say that much more about I it. I know. But I gotta give props to one thing, and neither movie uh, uh, does this uh, extensively, thankfully. They because it, we we gotta make that point also that this movie, despite it having a little bit of scary sides here and there, especially that opening buff, well, yeah. it is uh, aimed largely at kids. Yes. And uh, what that usually means in Taiwanese cinema that you have uh, license to be incredibly annoying in terms of the comedy on display, but. Despite having the dwarves there and the comedic actors uh, portraying them, the movie never really goes to those places because it's way too preoccupied mm-hmm. with the special effects and the other madness on display. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, yeah, it would be. In- I mean, I wouldn't force a child to watch this movie. But, uh, <laughs> what is that, mommy? Did did, yeah. did I look like that when I came out of you? It's Snow White. Come on. Uh, yeah, but I would be curious to. But yeah, there's not that much in it. Uh, there's well, there's that one monster that sort of disassembles at the end, where its legs and arms are attacking him separately, yeah, and then so its head so is flying around. That was uh, that might be a little freaky for somebody. 
But, uh, I'm sure you've seen a Hong Kong movie or two, a Taiwanese movie or two, where they lean so heavily on the comedy without any success in that department. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and this movie had every opportunity to just spend 30, 40 minutes on that crap. But yeah. it never really did. Uh, they, the, the, the Seven Dwarfs, if they were seven, I don't know if they even were, uh, you don't really remember them as such from this movie. It isn't preoccupied a lot with them as characters. Yeah. They are supporting characters, really, and they're, they're there, but... Uh, it's not like uh, they the movie hinges on uh, the movie's key moments hinges on them no. doing super heroic stuff all the time. I mean, it's the princess movie after a while, obviously. Yeah, I mean the the bits where the dwarves are on screen tend to be very heavy on the on the comic relief. I mean, the first thing we one of the first things that happens is oh, I forgot that we got to mention the puppet chicken that the dwarves yes. have. <laughs> they have a talking puppet chicken that sort of berates them all the time and it's very <laughs> silly looking but the first I think the first time we see the chicken one of the dwarves is, is farting on it so that... which is not annoying I mean uh, the, the great uh, it's comedy yeah but it's not great in comedy which is right. uh, some of the most obviously most uh, annoying thing you can have in a movie like yeah. it's uh, it's loud and it's unfunny but uh, it, uh, it, uh, it never lingers those bad moments of comedy definitely not and it's funny I mean that chicken uh, having that <laughs> yeah. there is funny it's, it's like it's, uh, it's very like uh, you, you'd imagine the set discussion would have been akin to well we're doing it anyway Right, you know, it's uh-huh. kind of a, a motto of the set. Like, well, that chicken uh-huh. looks a bit crap. We're doing it anyway. Yeah, we need. Okay, we need one of the doors to fart on the chicken. Who wants to do it? You know. Uh, but uh, really, some the tail end of my notes is one big thing I gotta mention is, uh, I mean, this at one point. Uh, let me read my notes and see if they make sense here. The 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 prince uh, find his magic cloth and he goes. Uh, onto a journey of swimming and adventure and it seems like it's going to be this big set piece where he has to get a certain thing mm. but that big set piece of those various stages that's over in a minute it's like quick success you know? it's true but then he has to sort of make his way back to the kingdom I mean this part was very confusing to me but mm. he sort of it was almost like Ulysses or something where he had to go through this series of trials one was where he was fighting those immortals and uh, oh, and he's accompanied by a fairy. We got to mention the fairy, yes, who's played by Ha Ling Ling, and she's realized by some very shoddy process shots. So she's see-through for most of the movie. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he has to fight these these sort of giants, and each of them has a different uh, uh, weakness point, and. Uh, the fairy is able to see their weaknesses, and one of them, his weak point, is in his in, in his butthole. And, yes, and, and uh, so we, so that's maybe not too great for kids, where the he stabs the giant up his butt. But uh, yeah, is but, it because it's done for sort of painful effect rather than like uh, you know a, a sword going up at the butt and some funny, funny right, like sound effects on that. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it's very, it's pretty violent. Uh, but then yeah, he goes up against them. Then there's the monster that disassembles, and then and then finally he he gets the. Oh right, the the box has the genie in it. But I mean, is that what it was? Like he he got his sword and he got his outfit that looks like he comes out of like a Frank Frazetta painting, like something that would be on the side of someone's van. Um, but uh, but then he's like, yeah, he has to struggle back to. 
the castle to save uh, Snow White, Fong, Fong, Fong. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, really like the last 20 minutes is a big, big old special effects set piece. I mean, uh, and, and, and you're right. I mean, they, for even for this kind of action involving wires, they do need an action director or stunt coordinator on set. So mm-hmm. you've got some decent wire work, but mostly it is dealing with energetic concepts and, and design in, mm-hmm. in the special effects rather than uh, physical exchanges, which, which works. I mean, that's its... Um, uh, that's its uh, goal and all of that, and uh, uh, and it's wor- they're working with physical elements like fire, or yeah. mixing that with superimposed uh, energy bolts and the swords that go pew 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 pew. pew, pew. <laughs> yeah, a lot uh, of pew pew in this movie. And, uh, and and you know stuff like you know uh, um, uh, techniques of villains being that they disappear for a few, few frames of film, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 you know essentially are teleporting, you know. Uh, that jump cutting and laser filled mm-hmm. swords are there so I mean what, what is the not to like and despite yeah. not being able to recap it like in detail it is fully coherent actually mm-hmm. uh, in, in my mind it is I mean the, the beats are very clear and it's uh, so so much fun I mean uh, the closest equivalent to this madness I can think of in Hong Kong is the string of movies that the Yun clan made the Taoism uh, mm. drunk yes. god the Shaolin yeah. drunk god movies yeah. even mismatched couples to a degree because yeah. the watermelon energy... monster definitely would have not been out of place in Thrilling Sword exactly and, yeah. and I've always said that the Yun clan for a few years were high on drugs <laughs> and they made those drunk god movies and god bless them for it for, for yeah. it if so but uh, you know it's um, they, they are some of my favorite movies and yeah. uh, and uh, for, for good reason I mean they, they, this is the energy I respond to and it's a very era specific energy the 80s in this case uh, yeah. uh, because both Taiwan and Hong Kong took different pro- priorities in terms of what the market uh, what, what you could shoot out on the market and the thrilling yeah. sword didn't have a place in in uh, uh, latter day 80s Taiwanese cinema and definitely not 90s especially as uh, the more uh, art um, house directors emerged mm-hmm. on Taiwanese cinema scene yeah. really broke Hong, uh, Taiwanese cinema internationally when mm-hmm. Ang Lee hit the scene and all of that so. yeah I would say that the the peach some of the peach kid movies also mm-hmm. approach uh, thrilling sword them. yeah and, and and definitely approach Ma- thrilling sword in terms of Magic velocity of and magic and, uh, weird mag- stuff yeah yeah magic of spell would be a, a great one to watch uh, for uh, anyone yes. who wants to see those uh, definitely uh, magic warriors was great too and i haven't seen the first movie which was the child of peach but child I'm of sure peach. It's, uh, that's a good one too uh, so it's all uh, good we'll probably cover them them at some point because uh, you can have a discussion about them rather than like whoa colors oh, man. <laughs> yeah. uh, I can stretch that shit out for 30-40 minutes so you know yeah. it's, all, it's, all, it's all good uh, that's the end of my notes uh, anything else you want to share Todd before we do the brief availability that we can talk of uh, no I think that's uh, I think I, my notes I say chicken uh, genie okay I, no I, I mentioned pretty much everything that I can at this point about thrilling sword uh, read my review. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And, and, I, and I want to rewatch it now. And, and and you can you can if you can find it because it's a very hard movie to get hold of. It's not on disc, actually. Um, we uh, I got a torrent of it, which is uh, what you have to kind of deal with. It's mm-hmm. a partially widescreen torrent from uh, what I assume is uh, a Taiwanese VHS because it is in Mandarin uh, and, it, and it is subtitled too. And and bless uh, Taiwanese cinema for uh, actually creating quite. Uh, 
uh, subtitles with a small font initially because even when they cropped them to full frame they were very readable um, despite uh, on Hong Kong movies they had a big font originally in the scope frame and when you cropped out the full screen you were lost because yeah. there was like three four words on screen uh, but if you remember the thrilling sword a lot of the dialogue or, or, or the translation you you can't actually read it without it being cropped off on the uh, left and right side right right uh, so so really you have to if you can find the VHS great but uh, you uh, I believe if you know your way around torrent forums I believe that, that that's my only recommendation it, it is an obscure movie but well worth it if you can find it and, uh, and absolutely uh, so, uh, so thank you Todd for actually uh, po- pointing me towards this so it is my pleasure I'm mm-hmm. glad you liked it excellent well uh, my pick if you will is the one we're talking about after the break and it is the country of beauties aka island warriors from uh, 1981 it's the same year as uh, the thrilling sword so uh, uh, Taiwan is in them on a uh, exploitation special effects high if you will and uh, some social realism in between too uh, so uh, but uh, we're dealing more with uh, exploitation in the form of country of beauties after the musical break which will be that groovy theme from the Count of Beauties. <laughs> oh, God. So good. <laughs> so I'm good. so glad you're doing it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what, what other music should you pick from the Count of no, Beauties to showcase it? Like uh, the groovy theme of the penis-cutting movie. Right. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I wondered what that was. I mean, it appeared to be a song because there were some vocals on it at some yeah. point. And I, I wondered, so. There, so much of the music in that was needle-dropped. I, I, you know, I wonder if that was the one original thing or if that's something from some other movie, too. But it sure was so goofy. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, uh, so let's uh, talk about that after a break, everybody. So yeah. see you in a bit. Welcome back and let's talk The Country of Beauties from 1981, our second movie of this podcast, also with Elsa Jung. A plot from my review of the film Queen Nadanwa, played by Elsa Jung, is exiled from her land and has since built an island kingdom with Amazon women by her side. And when I read that and saw the movie, I think I I uh, wrote the plot in uh, with an error here because the... She is Queen Nadanwa, yeah, but uh, she is one of the many queens on this island because uh, presumably they've had generations upon generation on this island right. of women, you know. So it's not like we see the scene of her being exiled. She finds the island and builds the statue. So uh, originally I just uh, misinterpreted the plot. I a think, bit. Ken, that might be a fault of the dub for Country of Beauties because I noticed when I read because I got that same impression too it's like oh they uh, you know they abandon her on the island and then you know a few years later she's accompanied by like dozens and dozens of beautiful women the exact same age you know through yeah. Parthenogenesis or something but uh, I noticed that other people who reviewed the movie like Taurus Harkis and uh over on Golden Pigsy's Gilded Troth, who reviewed Island Warriors, seem to have a clear. It seems like they 
got it that there was generations had passed, and this was not the original queen who was abandoned. So it's just uh, me know, being a low attention span viewer, Todd. You know, it's uh, it's, <laughs> it's all, all there is. It's me being a low attention span viewer, like uh, uh, me misinterpreting plots. So don't try to give me credit. It's just me. But <laughs> 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 I, I'm fucked up. That's what I do. Uh, but it's all okay. good. Uh, with a hatred for men, uh, any babies born on the island of that sex are relegated to the perils of the sea. And throughout the years, a small society of uh, castaway men struggling for survival, uh, one being Don Wong's Lu. Uh, they have formed a small society of uh, castaway men. Uh, the threat of pirates is also imminent, and the defense uh, uh, the queen and her women have built isn't sufficient to ward off threats. So perhaps men is needed after all. So, and that is correct plotting, I believe. So <laughs> I, I did something yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I. You know, we didn't do like uh, research together, but but you did contribute a little bit because uh, I I didn't know anything of this very fact. But you chatted with uh, your friend Dave from the Soft Film Blog, I believe, yes. which had a fairly strong theory that this movie is a remake of a 1966 movie. And uh, looking at the clip you sent me and the clip we'll link to in the show post, um, that's that makes it's a very possible. Um, yeah. Because they, yeah, they I'm not sure because it looked. The, it, it's just that the, I'm trying to find what the name. He said it was the the title translated into English was something like "Woman Island Spy War," mm. thing that <laughs> really <laughs> sets it apart uh, from this. Is that 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 looks like kind of a spy movie, like they're going for sort of a James Bond feel, and there is an island of Amazons, but. This is set in sort of more of a, you know, uh, Island of Beauties is set in more of sort of a mythical feeling setting, you know. Uh, But this was an old uh, Taiwanese film from the 60s, and he thought that because uh, the director had been an actor in uh, popular films in Thailand during the 60s that maybe he had gotten the idea to remake that or or at least maybe was inspired by that movie but it was an interesting thing to to have brought up yeah exactly because the 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 slightly modern angle of that was uh, very noticeable and very cool it's a black and white movie presumably the clip was in black and white so uh, uh, so the reimagining by director uh, Ulysses Ao Jung aka uh, Tsai Yang Ming it's not um, is is his fresh take on it, but it's uh, it looks quite similar in uh, many ways as well. So, um, uh, but let's talk here. Yeah, the director Ulysses Ao Jung, aka Tsai Yang Ming, uh, an important director and also actor, as Todd said uh, early in his career, um, important in, in terms of making Taiwanese social realism cinema, but a varied amount of uh, genres as well. And he started his career early in Taiwan with uh, quality indie productions, uh, such as The Prodigal Boxer, which is an early 70s martial arts movie. Really, really good. I, I liked it a whole lot. It was put out on a Crash Cinema uh, DVD, but in a quite a beautiful widescreen uh, transfer. So if you can get uh, The Prodigal Boxer, it, it might be public domain. Even in, in that form, so um, 
uh, check it out. He combined his time um, in Taiwan with a little bit of Shore Brothers work as well. He uh, co-directed Police Force uh, with uh, legendary director Chen Che, uh, but remained a figure in Taiwan uh, mostly um, uh, most of the time in the 70s and 80s, directing acclaimed fare such as Thou Shalt Not Kill But Once, which is a great little title for a martial arts movie, but I really liked mm. it. It stars uh, uh, Chan Sing and uh, a very young looking uh, Michael Chan, Chan Wai Man from uh, the club. Uh, but in 1971 he directed one of his most important movies and one I'm desperate to see, uh, the first Arrow Step. Uh, it really signaled the start of Taiwanese social realism. Uh, it's a gangster tale starring uh, Ma Sha from Witch with Flying Head, the, the actual uh, snake master, if you will. Um, and uh, but fortunately it's not available to us at this point uh, he dabbled in female revenge as well uh, with Elsa Junga star in the fantastic looking woman revenger aka the nude body case in Tokyo which is a greater title actually uh, he's uh, done effective swordplay drama through the movie Be Careful Sweethearts uh, which starred uh, Bridget Lin and uh, Derek Yee who went on to be a, an acclaimed director and um, Jumping ahead to 2001, Tsai took up the role of executive director for the Taiwan Directors Association to um, really to spearhead the development of the Taiwan movie industry. So he's still, you know, it's a passion uh, for him, obviously. And in recent years, uh, his son has, uh, him and his son has been collaborating uh, to produce TV dramas and have won great acclaim. So he's still active. And uh, as late as uh, summer of uh, 2013, a few months ago, uh, Ulysses or Tsai was given a Lifetime Achievement Award at the 2013 New York Asian Film Festival, uh, which he attended as well. And uh, on the uh, New York Asian Film Festival site, uh, he, uh, he himself wrote a little biography uh, um, and summarized his career. So for once, I kind of want to let the director have his say for once, you know, in his own words. So, uh, uh, so uh, quote, my film career started when I was the manager of a small theater. Back then I was just a 19 year old kid and uh, embracing the world of cinema every day just made me so filled with joy. After leaving the army I plunged into the film world first as a continuity clerk then becoming a writer, actor, director and producer. 2013 marks the 50th year since I joined the business and movies still makes me so excited. Uh, back then all filmmakers were a big family even though I was shooting movies, uh, free movies at the same time with less than 3 hours of sleep each day. I never complained. In 1969, I started directing Mandarin films. Uh, Taiwan was still under martial law. The government banned the freedom of speech with no mercy, uh, casting a shadow over the whole film industry. Uh, I once finished making a movie with high cost, but one third of the film was cut due to strict censorship. Every inch of the negative that was sliced away was a stab at my heart. Uh, under the harsh circumstances, I still overcame the difficulties and directed more than 70 films in all kinds of genres and style, from wuxia, kung fu, detective, gangster, to comedies. Um, he, he writes subsequently that he won the Screenplay Award at the Asian Film Festival for the first error step, aka Never Too Late to Repent. But I think if at best it was a co-written effort because Chu Yenping, the director of Island of Fire and Golden Queen's Commando, actually uh, worked on that script as well. So. Um, so that, that might just be a translation thing, if you will. But uh, it won an award, that uh, film. Uh, other works, my other works, such as Big Land, Flying Eagles, Woman Revenger, The Girl, Robber and I, all represented different styles in my line of work. 
somebody called me the godfather of Taiwanese realistic cinema but all I wanted to do was to explore the boundaries of uh, Taiwan film genres with the help from God I was granted many chances along the way looking back at my 50 years of filmmaking in my own country and in Hong Kong from a continuity clerk to a director from a teenager to an elder I've never felt alone good guy and apparently very cool cat as well my friend uh, Jared on Facebook he was at the New Occasion Film Festival got to meet uh, Tsai and had uh, some of his posters signed and apparently just uh, a very laid back cool man and um, I was very happy to um, see him uh, being uh, being awarded uh, this Lifetime Achievement Award so. and the New Occasion Film Festival this year focused a lot on Taiwanese cinema they did a program called Taiwan Pulp which included screenings of The First Arrow Step and uh, Woman Revenger and some of the movies we've covered. I don't think The Country of Beauties was uh, part of the program, but uh, uh, but it deserves a place, if you will, which we'll sure. discuss. Uh, a little bit on actor Don Wong, who is not s- super noticeable in the movie. I mean, you recognize him when you see him, but he is the co-lead of movies such as Secret Rivals and, and, and a fan favorite. Uh, uh, he went to school in America. Uh, to uh, university he, he kind of uh, ha- had the option to go to different schools but I believe he went to a, a school based in Texas and he finished um, uh, rather he finished high school in 1979 and 69 and went on to educate himself in Texas but he never finished that education uh, along the way he learned uh, Taekwondo he had a second degree black belt by the time he went to America but the reason he never finished it all was that he picked up on the fact that Golden Harvest were looking for actors and uh, Don Wong um, auditioned and uh, he was signed and made his first appearance uh, in uh, at, Gold- at Golden Harvest in movies such as Chinatown Capers and Yellow-Faced Tiger aka Slaughter in San Francisco with Chuck Norris <laughs> and uh, I've never seen that movie but uh, Golden Harvest were not super um, thrilled with uh, Don Wong's like potential and um, the way the box office were affected uh, he, he didn't set it on fire through his present uh, Don always thought that he got the blame uh, first and foremost for being the weak link here but um, mm. so Golden Harvest wanted to terminate the contract uh, uh, but all was not lost I mean uh, Don Wong met legendary producer and filmmaker Um Si-hun who formed uh, Seasonal and uh, he went to Korea He uh, and he made Secret Rivals uh, and uh, Don Wong got to be the star of that uh, alongside uh, Wang Jiang Li and uh, the other fella that I'm blanking on the the, the great kicker in uh, Secret Rivals and uh, because I'm blanking on it I can't let that fact go so I gotta check out what his co-star was in Secret Rivals and I'm gonna feel like a fool for not remembering it and it is John, John Liu of course uh, John Liu the fantastic kicker uh, so there you go just to be uh, thorough about it but th- that was a m- major hit and uh, they made a sequel to Secret Rivals uh, and Don became a mainstay in Taiwanese indie productions with many martial arts movies for again director Lee Cho Nam that Elsa Jung worked a lot with uh, Don was an Eagle's Claw Hot the Cool and the Vicious Fatal Needles versus Fatal Fists so all excellent movies uh, actually some of them dramatic too uh, the 80s included a mix of martial arts, action, and even modern efforts for Don Wong as Taiwanese cinema transitioned into making mo- movies in a modern setting. Uh, and even horror, he's seen the excellent Devil Returns, which I'm going to bring up on the show. And uh, he, he, he uh, quotes definitely that he had a great relationship with uh, director Lee Chiu Nam, so it was, it was not a... Um, uh, like a chore to work with uh, the director constantly, uh, constantly. They kind of got each other and were in sync. Uh, 
and he ends the interview that I saw on YouTube. It's a filmed interview with uh, Dong Wong speaking excellent English. Uh, they made a 3D movie sometime in the 70s, I presume, called Tiger Man. Um, and the only pay he got was not uh, a paycheck, but he got a leather jacket as pay. <laughs> <laughs> here have a jacket being our 3d movie so it's like tiger man was that 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 wasn't a superhero thing it was a was that a martial arts movie i wonder i mean i i didn't look even look for clips of it because i was so flabbergasted that that that, that part of the story that uh, like well it's uh, a 3d movie it got leather jacket as yeah. <laughs> you know, i want to see the jacket that he got yeah, exactly. You should frame that for yeah. for for history's sake and what have you. Uh, but Don Wong, I mean, I, I like him. He's a good he's a good presence in these movies, and um, you know, a decent enough actor when uh, called upon. But uh, not uh, someone who tried to be uh, you know tried to be Robert De Niro or anything past right. his prime. You know, he 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 worked well within the the genre confines, if you will, and 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 rightfully got a break. Yeah, yeah. he's good in this movie. I mean, he has a lot on his shoulders because he's a representative of men's island and as such a representative of, of all men, I guess. Yeah. And he handles it with uh, with grace and dignity, I have to say. Yes. He, uh, he takes out a poor snake at one point because, uh, but, but uh, you know, it was kind of forced upon him, if you will. But when he's trapped in the cage and the oh, snakes yes. are swimming around, so you have to bash that snake, bash that snake, bash that snake. But, <laughs> What are you going to do? Taiwanese cinema. But uh, you know what? Yeah. We'll get into it. And uh, first of all, a short, brief opinion, a like or dislike for The Country of Beauties. What did you think, Todd? What did I think? I enjoyed Country of Beauties. Uh, I thought it was very silly. Um, but uh, it's a classic. I mean, I love... I have sort of an... Well, it's not that ambivalent. I love these community of women movies where there's like a planet of all women, an island of all women, or like that Jess Franco film, I can't remember which one it is, where there's like a utopian community of all women that's trying mm-hmm. to take over the world. Because they're, they're, it's, uh, um, you know, it, not only do you get all these classic uh, exploitation movie setups and women in the, you know who left to their own devices choose to wear the most revealing clothing possible um but there's also this sort of adolescent male anxiety to all of them too i think there's there's a lot of these that came out of mexico during the 60s about invasion of of the planet of women and i think it's funny that in a a sort of macho macho culture like mexico's the idea of a uh, a planet of women is sort of this terrifying concept because the idea <laughs> being that women, of course, when left to their own devices and you know when they get together, you know naturally what's going to happen is that they're going to start hating men and then trying to exterminate men, you know, rather than sort of take after their own interests. So there's something of like you know all the boys in one treehouse and all the girls in another treehouse throwing rocks at each other you know yeah. but it's blown up into this huge kind of you know paranoid scenario where you have this island of women who are you know dedicated to you know stomping out men cast when they do show up they cut their balls off um, <laughs> and, yeah i mean uh, that's a good i mean it's a, it's a gory it's gory and goofy content, uh, and uh, I mean, I, I really like the movie too. And uh, and 
you know, uh, combined with that technical excellence, uh, because someone did spend time realizing this idea, and it's a very exotic yes. idea. I mean, uh, there's plenty of eye candy, a little bit of comedy, a little bit of blood and gore, a bizarre out of left field supernatural inclusions. It's all clinched uh, quite well during the movie, and the lingering effect that it does have on you, because you, you remember the kind of fucked up stuff that does happen in it. The, that effect, that lingering effect, says something about like the correct stance towards the material that director uh, Ulysses or Ao Jung uh, does have. So, I mean, uh, that's yeah. why it's likable, uh, as well as uh, Robert, like, ooh, <laughs> and uh, whoa, yeah. what was that? <laughs> it, it's a very, like I was saying earlier, it's a very well-directed film. It's a very good-looking film, really nice camera work, really good use of color, great sets. The, the set of the Queen's uh, lair, I guess you'd call it, reminds me a lot of an old Shaw, you know, one of those old Shaw Brothers movies where the clan has the really ornate yeah. and, you know, comic booky kind of looking uh, lair. Uh, but yeah, he, yeah, and he takes a, a fun kind of comic book approach to it. It reminded me of, of, you know, uh, also of American, you know, American International, the sort of women in prison, uh, movies too um mm. uh but yeah if you take the right attitude to it if you don't take it too seriously uh you can have a lot of fun with it um, yeah, i mean initially it seems like um you know it is that light era aura that's supposed to be set up you know i mean it even kind of starts with the first film's logo which sounds like this na 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 <laughs> yes that's right it's like shut up <laughs> yeah. don't, don't stop taunting me i'm just watching the movie out there yeah <laughs> so that's a great bit to show for the first film we got films. our own island and you and, yeah. and the ladies, you know, they are lethal and cold ladies, but they have groovy times, Todd. You know, during the opening uh, credits montage, <laughs> shit's well on this island of hate. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> because, yeah. you know, among other things, I mean, w w what is the main thing you think of when you think of that opening credit sequence? Um, oh, we can't general? waste another second without addressing the opening music that is taking place. Because I have no idea how to describe it, so do your yeah. best. There's a wild festival going on, and you you all I I think I maybe you described it as a festival. So I read a few different reviews of this. Uh, my feeling at first when I was watching it is this was what life was like every day. On yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because all the women are dance. You know, some a bunch of, like there's hundreds of women, and and many and they're dressed in like to white togas. And uh, a bunch of them are dancing and they're supplicating to this giant statue of the queen. And then the rest of them are doing sort of calisthenics and acrobatic exercises, which seem primarily structured to to give as many panty shots to the camera as, as possible. Lots of headstands and stuff like that. But while this is going on... Um, and there's this very somber, inter you know, narr narration telling the story of how the island came to be. While while this is going on, the goofiest '80s sort of synth Chinese synth pop song. Uh, it is really groovy. I mean, they yeah. they it fits the dancing at least uh, that you see in the in that massive widescreen frame. I mean, uh, Ao yeah. Young fills his uh, frame with uh, a good hundred, two hundred women maybe 
Yeah. I think that's a yeah. rather fair. So. Yeah. Cast of many, cast of hundreds at least. But and uh, and, and, and I love it's uh, it's the groovy, peaceful times of hate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the thing. After the introduction, I was I'm thinking of movies like She, or they all have this kind of uh, mythical uh, backdrop. So you're thinking you'd have some kind of you know Roman fanfare or something a little bit heavier, and it's you know. It's it's the dumbest, <laughs> poppiest, b- boppiest, and it's so and so eighties, so completely eighties. And I love crap pop music, so I mean, I really, I really enjoyed it. But it was re- it did really seem a little out of place, though it did work with the dancing that they were all doing. Um, I I love the fact that these women also obviously. Yeah proud of their heritage and their, their mm-hmm. it's a take no prisoners kind of it's our attitude or or yeah. you know and nothing else so therefore they decide the statue where it's not a standing statue she's lying down with her legs uh, essentially uh, you know open and apart you right. know? and uh, big, big pointy boobs exactly so it's like deal with it <laughs> you know that's her yeah. you know, so, so i just like okay fine fine i mean it's it's your island i'm not yeah, okay, to, uh, ladies, it's fine yeah and uh, and and Elsa's intro, you know, is uh, fantastic. You know, one of many outfits that she has on, mm-hmm. you know, it's. Uh, I mean, I'm not good at describing outfits, but you know, it's golden, golden, glittery outfits galore for Elsa in this movie. At one point, she later in the movie, she even looks a bit like a dominatrix, mm-hmm. which uh, which I approve of, obviously. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There seems to be two sort of tiers. I mean, it seems like most of the women wear the white togas but then there's like i don't know if they're supposed to be the island's version of the military but then there is a cadre of women who all wear sort of leather black leather dominatrix looking gear and and one of the toga ladies is uh, uh has a whip and that's uh, the lovely yes. teresa Choi, who's in uh, uh i always like to single her out because uh she's absolutely gorgeous and sexy she's um She's in Golden Queen's Commando as the Amazon lady in that one. Uh, maybe has a whip in that one. I don't, don't know. Uh, she's in Pink Force Commando. I don't know if you ever saw that, but uh, no, I'm she, going to see it. Though, uh, well, you you're probably seeing this piece of footage. She she plays this lady in white, whatever her role was. I mean that that mm-hmm. movie is so incoherent, but absolutely perfect. But uh, there's a scene where they see her on the top of the mountain. Oh, top of a mountain and it's a kind of a godlike moment that footage where they zoom in on her that's the ifd logo that you've seen on uh, oh. the where with the star wars-esque music over it mm. and when they zoom in on what they probably perceived as a columbia ladylike logo uh-huh. it's literally from pink force commando it's mm. footage straight from it and <laughs> and uh, so that that's Teresa choi and she's um, okay. she, she's the main uh, castrator in yes this movie that's as what well. i was gonna say she's the designated castratrix if that is a word that's a perfect word for it if so not, i mean it's I so, I mean, it's goofy and it's uh, great, and then the men arrive and then shit's on, I suppose, because uh, they yeah. have no, um, they, you know, they, there's no, like, um, stretches of negotiation whether or not they should castrate them. It's like <laughs> no, uh, yeah. these uh, treasure hunters, because w- w- what we didn't say in the plot is that there, there's a treasure somewhere on the, I- on the island, which probably means that tons of men have tried to, uh, you know, right. crack, uh, c- crack the island defense and get the treasure, but... Well, well, and also there are hundreds of like unbelievably beautiful women too, which also seem to attract 
pirates at the very least. So they, I don't know, are the pirates coming for the treasure too? You think? Because it seems like um, they just come to go on a big rapathon while they're there. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, they're, they're, yeah. they're extreme characters, and uh, they're, they're in, you know, they're in it for the violence and the takeover, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and and all of this, I mean, there is some action in the movie, but. Uh, it doesn't focus on being hugely accomplished in terms of actions. I mean, mm. uh, throughout this, actually, some very weak action. You know, so, yeah. so, uh, a lady kicks a stunt man that falls over way too easily and fly, yes. and they even fly for yards. You know, but yeah. uh, but when Teresa Choi and her whip comes out and the effects of that, you know, uh, I think that looks rather good and uh, cool yeah. and strange, strangely sexual. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, fe- I felt that the action was impressive more in terms of its scope. Yep. And it's execution because there's a lot of nice um, battle scenes. You know, there are battle scenes where there's just like dozens of dozens of pirates, dozens and dozens of women backflipping. And you know, in, in terms, of, it, it's sort of spectacular. But if you broke it down into the how the individual martial arts were conducted, you know, it's not. It doesn't seem like it's really about that. It's more about the spectacle of the battle, and they. Mm-hmm. It's done really well. I mean, it's got that great widescreen, widescreen presentation, so it's perfect for that kind of thing. Yeah, so I mean, it's more part of this free-for-all era of filmmaking rather than actual yeah. filmmaking. And uh, you know, uh, to, to touch upon what you were saying, I mean, I, I'm I'm the same way. I'm just uh, I'm just a fan of this kind of likable ac- atmosphere. I'm a fan of B movies, exploitation, and concept movies like this. It just gets me like interested, you know. Yeah. Um. So uh, th- th- this, therefore, you know, fits um, uh, is very likable in my eyes. And uh, uh, what else is there? Well, well prior to we, us getting that first castration scene, which is mm. pretty goddamn horrible. Yeah. Uh, we see actor Hoy Batloy, uh, Liu, who's uh, who was in the Frilling Sword, uh, uh, one of the main. Uh, Comedic presences, uh, mm-hmm. and and they push more for the great in comedy side here. Yes. But uh, what you, what uh, director Ao Jung does is, um, at least here in the beginning, is to make us you know choke on that laughter, if you will, because the castration scene disrupts uh, pretty much everything here. And uh, I don't know what you thought on how they how they show and what they show in terms of that castration scene. Well, I, yeah, I would say cause before I saw this film, most of what I'd heard about it was about the castrations and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and given that, I was surprised how non-means, you know, despite the inclusion of those scenes, um, I was surprised at how non-mean-spirited the thing overall came across. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't... Yeah. Those didn't seem to be the be-all, and that didn't seem to be the whole purpose of the movie. Whereas in some, you know, gore movies or exploitation movies, it's those are the money shots. But there's only the one. They sort of set it up at the beginning, and it's mm-hmm. really graphic. It I is. mean, it's graphic in the terms that you see. You know, it's all from this weird angle where it's sort of underneath the, you know, it's almost... <laughs> You're almost getting a testicle eye view of the of the castration because it's like you're between the guy's legs looking out at the woman doing the castration with this weird hook thing, but oh. you see the results and it looks like two cher- two cherries hanging off the stem sky. <laughs> Still effective. I mean, yeah. bringing it into the frame, it's like, oh no. Yeah, I mean, definitely. When we're talking about, we were talking about with Thrilling Sword is how we don't need them to spell out, 
the effect as long as they suggest it well enough for us to get the idea. You know, uh, with castration, you don't really have to go that far to get the idea, to get that visceral reaction. You know, you just have to kind of suggest it and then showing the the, the results. Uh, so, um, you know, it's effective. It sort of sets the stage for for what's at stake uh, in the rest of the movie. But like I said, it doesn't color the feeling of the whole movie. You know, the movie otherwise isn't really that gory, which no, was really interesting no. to me. You know, it's mostly, you know, fisticuffs, people punching and kicking each other, but there's not a lot of other gore moments in it. So that's its big gore payoff and it happens very early in the film and it's just I guess it's 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 the director and screenwriter's way of saying how much do they hate men well <laughs> let's show you two, <laughs> yeah. two, two cherries on a weird <laughs> cutting device yes. that's how much yes. uh, but I mean it's not you know they're writing the statement but they're not trying to make a grand statement about you know it's either male dominance female dominance no in between but you know if we're going to be fair that is the theme of that uh, that those two polar opposites and no in between is yes. kind of the wrong way to go as yeah. a as a human race because you know no surprise that the the thoughts towards the end of the film is that working together could conjure up better results for us all you know right. and uh, so i mean you know it doesn't linger on it but it's not an embarrassing train of thought to have in this you know fairly wild time as well you know what right I mean? right right so it's uh i i appreciate that something said there that's uh you know not um them trying to be desperate about uh, injecting yeah. a message or anything and it has no real lulls as far as i'm concerned it moves and uh fairly well and uh and it's so unusual, actually, for Taiwanese cinema. Again, this free-for-all era where scripts could be greenlit and mm-hmm. done and executed, you know. As with Thrilling Sword, you can't predict the sights here. You can't predict the sounds. Again, that music at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you can't predict, you know, necessarily the story beats. Um, and and combined with that grand design, you know, again, great use of the scope frame, whether yeah. indoors or outdoors. I mean, here we're talking of a higher budget movie. I'm that I'm willing to bet on that there, there was some money put into the design, and if not, they made it look classy as hell, yeah. actually. Yeah, that was either a high budget or a crew that really knew how to make the most of whatever they had. But yeah, great looking movie. Another great, great costume design. Um, not a lot of special effects to to critique in it, um, mm. but but yeah, very but, nice. But they 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 go all out the, uh, in other areas because at one point uh, uh, the actors and actresses are working with a live big ass tiger, which oh, yeah. made my heart uh, which made my heart skip because that that is not yeah safe <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, Right, you remember, I, you remember the scene? Uh, it's kind of yes, a cruel gag they play on the man. <laughs> right. It's and it's. I also wanted to mention that it's, you know, the three treasure hunters who show up. There's the one pretty guy who's uh, Zhang Peihua, and then the other one that you mentioned, Hui Baitlu, and uh, then the other guy is uh, Pa Guo. I think his name is said. Ah, he, yes. Playing the exact same part that he played in Wolf Devil Woman. Indeed. And he's dubbed by this guy, you know, that 
that sort of hysterical, effeminate voice. Yeah, it's like uh, when he showed up, I'm like, oh, look, it's Rudy from Wolf Devil Woman. Oh, you remember him from that dub? I mean, there's two yeah. dubs of that, the IFD dub and what I call the Rudolph dub, because that uh. dub has so many dumb names. Yeah. Uh, but, but but in the IFD dub, the, the pitch is pretty much the same for that character. It's not like uh-huh. they changed him to sound all like manly and suave. <laughs> right. that? Because that the, be character, the character is, you know, the goofy assistant. So. Yeah. But yeah, they trick him. Well, they don't trick him, but they, yeah, he, he, in order to, to, they all tell a different lie in order to spare themselves being castrated when they're found. And he says he's a doctor. And so they ask him to treat someone who he has to treat from behind a curtain. And then you see that it's a, it's an actual tiger that bites him. Yeah. Yeah. It's a trick to put this entire hand into uh, the tiger's mouth, which I don't believe is the actor as such. Yeah, uh, because it's a cutaway shot. They're not in the same uh, frame doing it. Yeah, uh, but but one actress uh, at the end of the scene is uh, is playing around a little bit with the tiger, which scared me to death. Because uh, mm-hmm. uh, the the thing is that in the movie that character is, is obviously uh, able to be friendly with the tiger and all mm-hmm. of that. But uh, you know she looked so tiny compared to that tiger, and it scared me to death. And I, I guess I'm damaged from the fact that there is a a piece of footage in another Taiwanese movie called Tiger Love, which uh, where uh, when the main character is growing up, uh, he grows up with uh, obviously mom and dad, uh, or I think it's mom, which is human, and dad, who is a tiger. Mm-hmm. Uh, d- don't ask me. Interesting, yeah. Uh, but they are working with a live tiger, and at one point, for real, you can see the tiger launch at the little kid. They freeze frame it just as you see this distraught look of oh, a little geez. kid's face and it's in the movie I mean it, it's it's literally snuff footage actually because I oh, oh. No, it's a it's a funny ass movie partly it's a martial arts movie then it does way supernatural towards the end because the tiger comes back and it's the spirit and <laughs> but, do you oh know my, what happened to the child actor in, uh, in real life I don't think anyone knew what happened after that point, <laughs> aside from the filmmakers. But yeah. it, uh, I think I'm damaged a little bit by that footage. Uh, yeah, I can see and, why. Uh, and uh, seeing the tiny actors next to a big-ass tiger, like, no, don't, don't, phew. Yeah. There's nothing on screen anyway that suggests that uh, yeah. she got um, sliced up or what have you. So. Well. Oh, gosh. Um, so the only piece of music I did recognize is uh, the latter point in the movie where they are, because the thing is they are using the men obviously to, um, so they can have uh, babies at all, you know, to have more women at all. And obviously if the babies turn out to be male babies, they chuck them in the sea, essentially. They send yeah. them off in the sea in a kind of Viking funeral kind of way, uh, not burning them, but they're, they're letting them drift out to sea. And I think this is set to one of the themes from... Uh, Morricone's uh, score to Once Upon a Time in yeah, the West. It's it's Jill's theme uh, from Once Upon a Time in the West, which happens at like a very iconic moment within that movie. Uh, yes, and it and you know this this scene that they set it to is a very well directed scene. It would be you know it's very poetically shot, and you get it, you know. Yeah. But then that they they drop that on top of it. It it's almost you know uh, it it, it uh, invites unflattering comparisons you mm. know it's just not you know that's the I guess that's the pitfall of doing these needle drop scores uh, you know but 
it was it was it's so recognizable and it's seemed... well, well, well well the thing is that because Morricone's music is so good it actually makes the moment seem a lot better than it uh, probably deserved to be yes uh, that's I'm, what I'm, I'm of the uh, I'm of the opinion that Morricone's music could kept, could be put to anything and somehow it worked yeah. uh, so I mean they picked well even though it's a yes. known piece of music and Morricone didn't get dick from uh, in terms of no. conversation but um, I'm, I'm sure it, but, yeah. no I'm sure it's alright I mean yeah. he was a con- constant worker anyway yeah. so yeah I don't think he was responsible for that first song though <laughs> <laughs> no 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 I mean uh, you know as you said uh, there, there is actually Chinese uh, lyrics on in uh, yeah. on that song at one point in the movie so maybe it was done for the movie or it was some hit from from the time in Taiwan or what have you so uh, yeah we gotta try and track that down. I'm gonna see if I can find a recording of that somewhere. <laughs> uh, one of the, I mean, the, the great thing comedy is that uh, you know superbly uh, annoying or anything. Uh, but one actual point where that I thought was genius from uh, Hoi Bat Liu is after his castration. For some reason, this is so bizarre. He starts acting like a woman. Yes, that uh, was and, uh, weird. <laughs> and obviously, him being uh, still being him acting like a woman it comes off as he's turned into a transvestite all of a yeah. sudden after being castrated well, but the thing is that his shell cracks pretty quickly and the mm. dub says you've made me into you the walking dead right yeah which is a fantastic little line you know like you really you know uh, that's as harsh of a line that you can come up with in that situation yeah. I'm you uh, the walking dead you know fuck you but he uh, even had um, makeup on. Yes. Like, <laughs> which was, you know, it was like almost like he was in drag. And he, yeah, and he minces in and he's kind of fluttering his eyelashes at everybody. <laughs> yeah, immediately after his traumatic castration. And they, he, they seemingly sue him up pretty well because it's not like he comes out, you know, bleeding or anything. It's yeah. like, uh, you know, chop. Zoom up, you know, cut yeah. print moving on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's like, okay, that's, uh, but I love the little, you know, when it breaks pretty quickly, like, uh, yeah. you know, it's no man anymore. Yeah. Uh, and without ruining it, I mean, I'm just going to mention this. There is a, I said, uh, out of, um, out of the blue supernatural inclusions, uh, there, there is a, let's just say this, um, there's a bride with white hair like moment in this movie. Um, during a healing sequence, we oh, find yes. out uh, yeah. we we find out that uh, once a, a, this particular woman's uh, powers are drained, she reverts back to a different form. So right. and that's her the power bride with... is called Virgin Kung Fu. So I'm not going to spoil that, but I love uh, one aspect I love in that moment is one of the trippiest like sights in the movies. The screen turns all acid trip. Whoa! As she starts to, mm-hmm. you know, heal that guy, and even the matte box on the camera starts twirling. <laughs> like, yeah. a, oh, what did I eat? Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's it's, it's what it is. Yeah. It is interesting, so I'd like to keep it uh, in the dark for people who haven't seen it because that's the most uh, you didn't expect it from this movie kind of moment. Uh, Because it hasn't signaled that it has that too. Maybe, you know, uh, it comes right out of the blue and uh, it's uh, it's likable. Yes. Very (laughs) likable. Yes. Um, 
so so really as the end of my notes i mean you you, you can kind of predict that the retuning of the men versus women struggle will happen and, and indeed it does via the final line uh mm-hmm. and and there's nothing wrong with that and we've had some 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 battle scenes if you will but you know fairly powerful action towards the end but nothing again that transforms it into uh a movie where you have a some memorable kung fu clips to show your friends or anything it's yeah just, you know you know it's a it's it's some battle in the scope it's frame spectacle that's, yeah that, that's fair that's a fair point yeah uh, so so really end of my notes i'll let you share whatever 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 you like uh from the I, I think i've pretty much covered it i i did I did enjoy the movie. I I went into it a little with some reservations and uh Country of Butte is poofed. Um well no, I mean just that I you know, I thought it was going to be a really hard sort of exploitation movie and there was going to be a lot of gore and it was going to be all about the castrations and stuff, but it was really something uh, a bit goofier than that and uh you know, in the and the the way it turns out is pretty much the way you expect it to, but um, I enjoyed it. I had fun with it. Uh, you know, it's an it's an exploitation movie. You know, uh, if you enjoy the you know the big birdcage type movies, those uh, AIP uh, Filipino women in island prison movies, uh, I think you'd enjoy this. Um, that's all. It's, and another like. Um... You know, uh, part of uh, Direct Al Young's um, uh, very genre output. Because um, if you look up movies like Be Careful, Sweetheart, if you ever see the first Aerosmith, which I hope to do, it really never came off as doing um, a lot of things uh, twice. Uh, it really felt uh, fairly different from movie to movie uh, without being. Uh, um, a filmmaker wanted to make super grand statements as his uh, kind of their own unwritten mm-hmm. bio stated. So I, I've always enjoyed his uh, movies uh, uh, based on that fact that um, you you don't know what you're gonna get necessarily, but uh, yeah. it never turns super super pretentious either. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's it's often a good time. Yeah, I th- I feel like the director took the movie for what it was. He didn't try to make it more than what it was, and he just gave it his best and just made it a good looking fast paced entertaining movie so yay for that Uh, alrighty let's uh, talk a little bit about the availability there's nothing officially on disc really um, uh, unfortunately Uh, the English dubbed uh, widescreen version the beautiful looking widescreen version is um, that we watch is from a bootleg I believe Mm. Uh, and uh, that's the print we watched uh, and I only saw prior the full screen English dub from uh, Greece um, a tape I actually bought and had transferred to um, to disc Uh, so look for it unofficially people I mean I'm glad someone put it out this way I mean uh, it's uh, it's one of the pros of bootlegging that okay no one's going to put out this glorious version then let's do it ourselves you know Ken have you seen the Island Warriors version of it I I mean I did see it first under Mm -hmm. that title so I don't remember if either the content was different or the dub was different Mm -hmm. but if so not drastically so because there is uh, a DVD of Island Warriors there, there is okay yeah Tell uh, me interested. I where, saw where it on, from? Uh, let me see. I'll look it up. Um, I I saw it on Amazon. It was either Island Warriors or there's another there's another t- English title this goes under. It's but I think presumably the Country of Beauties is the original because the credits that we see on this English dubbed version is um, bilingual uh, credits, uh, Chinese and English. So 
Oh, it's a it's a kung fu theater DVD. Right. Well, then might be official, might not be, and right. uh, and who knows if it's this widescreen version or yeah. All it says is it's dubbed in English, mm. but there is that. If but uh, if you I, want to take the risk, yeah, I think it would be sad. It would be a real loss to watch this on a cropped version. You, I, I, a lot of times I'm not that particular about that, but this film I think definitely needs to be seen widescreen. They really use the they use the the screen well in this movie. Indeed. Uh, Alrighty, next time we'll we'll keep matters open for now because now you know you told you know you, you throw you threw you know a suggestion into the ring uh, for this episode. But I'll I'll throw in one suggestion for next time because um, I like Elsa Young, I like this movie, and uh, mm. uh, I like to um, highlight it. And it's called Deadly Silver Angels, which is possibly the IFD retitle. But IFD's version is the complete movie; they just dubbed it. Uh, and it features Elsa training a group of women to stab and uh, to stab and perform action, and uh, they all train in their bikinis, obviously. All so. right. Alrighty, I'm on board. It's, it's it's a gangster movie, but it has a training montage with uh, with uh, them in bikinis and Elsa with uh, a little bit of a whip as well. So, so <laughs> uh, you, you got the likes of uh, you got the likes of Richard Chen's The Anger that I want to cover because uh, it's from the director of Girl with a Gun, aka Fury in Red, which we've covered on the show. Girl with a Gun is this uh, almost uh, shot for shot. Uh, a rip-off remake of uh, Miss 45 but still oh. pretty uh, pretty damn effective we've uh, covered it on the show so the, those choices if we do some of them are quite easy to do because uh, we've done research uh, prior on the filmmakers and the actresses so uh, it might be one of those shows that uh, if we want to crank one uh, crank one episode out uh, before the end of the year uh, mm -hmm. uh, this one and another then uh, that's an option to go so Deadly Silver Angels is something uh, that I, I've uh, I'm suggesting, but uh, Todd, if you have anything now or, or over time, then we'll def I'll definitely consider it because I'm not difficult that way. Uh, right now, I'm just open to suggestion. That sounds good if I think mm -hmm. of something else. but uh... the, the anger could be interesting because I've only seen it. Uh, uh, they, uh, the IFT cut and paste movie Inferno Thunderbolt with Richard Harrison, which was this mm. modern action thriller. Mm -hmm. uh, the source movie for that movie uh, was the anger so you get like 70% of it uh -huh. plus Richard plus Richard Harrison uh -huh. and uh, you know I didn't fully like it because I thought it looked fairly weak but as I now have the option to actually watch the original movie and uh, it would be kind of a good idea to uh, judge it on its uh, full merits its own merits if you will um, yeah and it stars uh, Don Wong and my as I always joke uh, as you might have heard my movie wife uh, Liu Xiaofen mm. stars in that movie the gorgeous Liu Xiaofen Mm. from on, on the society file of Shanghai and the various other uh, genre movies and social realism movies so. alright well yeah I'd, I'd definitely be open to do more Elsie Young movies because I, I think that these are the only two uh, that I've seen and uh, really? while I don't know if she's marriage material I definitely like her so <laughs> um, I definitely want to see you know all the films that you've mentioned I, I like these kind of movies uh, so yeah, yeah the, ninja, the two ninja movies could make a great double bill uh, The Challenge okay. of the Lady Ninja and A Life of Ninja uh, both um, both were picked up by the, that other company making uh, ninja movies called Filmark but they were presenting them in uh, full 
so it's uh, and, I, and I got those in widescreen as well. So oh, okay. um, um, so that will make a great double bill, and uh, would be a, that, that would too be a great opportunity to talk for me a little bit about that director Lee Cho Nam, which is uh, you know an indie director, but uh, really uh, well versed in. Uh, doing low budget movies and um, yeah work with both Don Wong a lot and uh, Elsa Young so uh, we'll see keep an eye out on the Facebook group uh, people and all of that but uh, for now let's uh, put these uh, two to bed and uh, I'm in the middle of like a Sons of Anarchy binge right now but I'm so tempted <laughs> to watch The Freeling Sword one more time instead <laughs> like after this so it's like we'll see what happens uh, but anyway this has been Taiwan Noir on the Podcast on Fire network website podcastonfire.com find this show and the bonus episodes on there email us for feedback podcastonfire at googlemail.com like us on Facebook facebook.com forward slash POF network join the discussion group through that link or type in Podcast on Fire network on Facebook the search bar Tweet us, twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. My reviews, so goodreviews.com and my video reviews, lazykvideo.com. Plenty of Taiwanese stuff on there, uh, which is uh, one of my main main uh, focus points uh, nowadays. And I tweet at twitter.com forward slash so goodreviews. Subscribe to Taiwan Noir on iTunes. And if you like the show, please leave a star rating. Only takes a click, literally a second. And if you have the time, please leave a written comment. A, sh- a short uh, short review for us if you like the show or even, even if you dislike it leave an honest uh, constructive uh, gentleman like review for us I, I don't know if iTunes necessarily approve like you know fuck you you suck kind of <laughs> reviews um, but, but I don't know I haven't uh, tested iTunes in that regard so we'll see uh, but if you don't uh, like downloading a podcast to your device uh, you can stream it via Stitcher Radio you can do that online but also through the application that is free and available to your iPhone, iPad or Android and once you're in uh, type in in the search function for instance Taiwan War and that will get you the option to add us to your favorites and uh, that's uh, that's us and also again a shout out to Golden Ninja Warrior Chronicles blog and the Taiwan Black Movies posts that we link to uh, Jesus' uh, research about um, uncovering what the source movies were behind those various uh, Godfrey Ho movies and what have you so that's uh, all good fun and a great little endeavor and again remind people of uh, what 40k is and where it is on the web 40k uh, die danger die die kill it can be found at die danger die die kill dot blogspot dot com and the various social media outlets uh, that you whore yourself uh, like like me yeah. because I, I whore yourself out yeah. <laughs> in various ways Twitter and Facebook and uh, we'll link to that and all that good stuff and any particular cool stuff in the pipeline for Christmas or you you don't do like themed like uh, blogs uh, like I'm going to review these weirdly messed up movies for Christmas in <laughs> I particular never th- or? I never think of it soon enough it's like Chris- you know all of a sudden it's Christmas and I think oh I should I should have done something for Christmas uh, nothing uh, nothing that I have planned at the moment uh, all I've got coming up is like you know look out for more episodes of Fighting Femmes Fiends and Fanatics and check out the FFFF uh, Facebook page at Facebook uh, slash Fighting Femmes and then uh, Tars Tarkas and I are getting back on board with uh, more episodes of the Infernal Brains and hopefully we'll have uh, one of those available uh, in a month or so hopefully by the end of the year Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah I'm keeping busy 
Excellent. Uh, glad, glad to hear it and that you have time for this little dopey show that I got going on. Oh, here, it's so. my pleasure. <laughs> my pleasure. Excellent. Well, uh, thank you everybody for listening. This has been Taiwan or 10, the Big Ten. And uh, was it a celebratory thing? Well, we found a pretty kick-ass gem of a movie. So I suppose that's our big celebration, you know. So uh, thank you everybody for listening. And uh, I am going to be with me was my good friend Todd. So say bye-bye. Bye, everybody.